Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And uh, welcome back to the show. Hope you have all been enjoying the shows that we've put out, finished up last month, had a fun blast doing all the shows we had last month. This month, we're doing a little different thing this month, but not putting a theme on it, but we are going to have some fun. So today we are joined by a long time. I've been a fan of what he's done for a long time. And I'm excited to have this conversation and I'm excited for you guys to listen. Every time I get someone on the show, that I've been able to like watch and admire and, and from afar, it's always a pleasure for me. So I love doing that. Before we get to that, I wanted to make sure that I get some housekeeping items. So we've been talking about this for a little while and, and actually someone came up to me today and told me they did it. So what we've been asking our listeners to do here with Minority Money is we've been asking you to share your favorite episodes with someone. So if you haven't had a chance to share an episode. I'm talking, it could be an older episode, a recent episode, whatever you have, whatever you're listening to on iTunes. If you're listening, I keep saying iTunes. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, if you're listening to Spotify or any of the other Google, you know, Google Podcasts, any one of these that you're listening to, please share an episode with a friend, with a family member, with someone you like, even someone that you don't like. That's a great way to be passive aggressive by sending them something that you want them to listen to. So that's what we would ask for today. Please, that's our call to action for you. If you are listening to an episode and you like it, please share that episode with your friend. And if you do that, that would greatly, greatly help us. So thank you for that. And thank you for all of the support that you've given us over the last few years. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. I actually love, 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 love getting to meet people. I've met a lot of people that have listened to the podcast and come up to me telling me stuff from my life and things like that. So I just wanted to get that thank you out because I really, really do appreciate everything that our listenership does. Okay. And with that, I want to get to our guest, which you guys are in for a treat. And you know, by listening to the show that when I say that, it's usually true. So today we are joined by Anthony Jane. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on, everyone. I've been eager for us to have that chat. So I'm excited. I'm pumped, man. I'm super pumped. So you know how we usually do things. We usually let the guests talk a little bit about themselves. So please, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do to the minority money community. Awesome. So hey, y'all. I'm Anthony. I'm one of the co-founders of VinoVest. And our purpose is to make investing in high-end wine and whiskey an easy option for everybody. In terms of my background, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I grew up abroad, but came back to the United States for college, which is when I started my first company, which was called Envoy Now, a food delivery app, and was pretty fortunate to be able to have investment from Peter Thiel to be able to drop out of college, fully take that company full-time as, as a 19-year-old and figure out how to run it. And was able to scale that business out to over 20 markets before we then sold it to a Walmart subsidiary. Nice. As you guys can hear, as you all can hear, Anthony has a wealth of experience. And today we're going to be talking about forging a personal financial journey. I was 
just reread Peter Thiel's book. Oh my gosh, I can't even think of the name of it right now. It's a blue book. It's a blue cover. It's a, I you're the one. There you go. I could, I'm like, That's I've just told him, you know, you know, you get a mic in your mouth and you can't remember anything. So I couldn't remember what it was. So zero to one, I've read that book two or three times. And so as soon as you said his name, I was like, oh, wow, man, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear that you've done some work with him. So as we're talking about forging your personal financial journey, talk to us about how you formed your own. And then we'll talk about how other people can form theirs. Yeah. So I think the start of my financial journey was really coinciding with my idea for this company. After I sold my first company, I went from being a poor college dropout founder to someone who actually had the means to invest. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, hey, like I want to be building companies for the rest of my life, but that's risky. So I wanted to do something so so I could set myself up for the future. And I didn't want to just do like a vanilla portfolio. You know, the whole reason I was able to start my first company and have the freedom to drop out of school was because of angel investors. So I started investing in early stage startups. And I also was really interested in other asset classes, like things from crypto to real estate to wine and whiskey. Really, the whole reason I had actually even heard about them was because I was Googling, you know, what are ultra wealthy people investing in? Because I had no clue. I'm not one of those people. And no surprise at the top of that list, you know, you've got private equity, venture capital. And then when it started talking about luxury asset classes, wine and whiskey and art were on the top of that list. And, you know, being someone who is definitely not a wine expert, but, you know, I like to drink wine. I like to drink whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was really cool. And to me, I thought like, all right, well, this market is appreciating at over 10% a year. And that's about the same as the stock market, maybe a little bit better. And it's something that I can also feel passion toward, right? It's tangible. It's real. I can share this with friends. So even if I'm not the world's you know, most high performing wine investor, I've got this beautiful wine collection that I'm building. And that's worth something too. So that's really how I started my financial journey. And really, it's been kind of shaped by both what I want to do for the rest of my life and also combining like my identity and my passions with what I want to invest in. So I'm listening to you and I'm like, man, this is incredible. And so as I'm listening to what you're saying, I'm thinking maybe we should back up a little bit. Because when you're talking about what you went through in school and getting started and stuff like that, because I'll run into some of the listeners sometimes and they'll, be, they'll ask me questions like, hey, we wanted to hear more about this. And I know people are sitting there saying, so, okay, so what was that thought process at 19 saying, okay, this is what I want to do. Really kind of carving out, you know, dropping out of school, getting your business started, growing it the way you grew it. Can you talk to us about leading up to that point? Like kind of like, you know, you were going to school, doing what you thought you were going to do and then something happened and you knew that you needed to do something else. Can you talk about that? That's something that definitely piques my interest because I'm like, people find themselves in that situation where they have to make a decision on what they're going to do next. And I always hear people ask, so how did you get to that decision? Yeah, really wasn't something that I ever thought I'd have to make a decision between, you know, business and school because I always thought that business came after school, right? The whole point of school is to learn about business, but I think very, very early on, you know, as a freshman, I realized to be able to be an entrepreneur and to be able to start a business, you have to actually start a business. So my food delivery app, Envoy Now, was really just like a dorm room side hustle for me. But it was growing, right? We had our first campus at at USC where I went and then started expanding to a few others. And then when I got the investment offer from Peter Thiel, that actually really forced me to make a decision because 
it was a no strings attached grant, but the only condition for me to be able to accept and use that grant is that I can't be enrolled full time at school. So in that case, I was like, all right, well, do I want $100,000 from you know, a billionaire VC that is encouraging me to do this? Or should I keep paying money to college and putting my dream on hold, right? So that's how I was thinking about it. And it really kind of was a no brainer, right? I'm making money instead of losing money. And I'm able to fast track to get to where I want to be way earlier. So that was really what my decision was. Of course, it was harder to explain that to my parents and friends. But for me, it was a no brainer. Right? Like thinking about the support group and your parents and friends being that telling them, hey, guess what? I've always talked about having a vision and sometimes not everybody being able to see the vision before you, you know, really paint the picture of what it's going to be. And I remember not to the scale of what you did, but starting Gen X Wealth. And when we started it, I remember telling people that I'm going to leave this place, you know, this job that I have, and I'm going to start something. And, and then people being like, well, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of, you know, that's kind of crazy. Like, I don't think you should do that. And so hearing, you know, having those conversations with your parents and your friends and stuff, I'm sure that had to be fun. And then the best part is probably having that conversation with them now, right? Hindsight, like, look what we did, you know, how were those yeah. conversations now? Like after you did that, started the next, how, how was that conversation? I think I'm pretty fortunate to not have had that many doubters, right? They're like, you know, my friends are like, oh, Anthony, go do it, right? Like it's something that I was already spending so much time on outside of classes. And even, you know, during classes, I would skip classes to like take work calls or like interview a candidate and stuff like that. And the hardest part was my parents, right? Because like they'd work so hard to get me to college and are very academically inclined. So I had to temper their expectations in a little bit. I was like, hey, like, it's not me leaving forever, right? It's me just taking a leave of absence. College will always be here. My credits are saved. I'm not losing out on anything. I'm actually pursuing my dreams. And if it doesn't work out, I'll always come back to school. Thankfully, it did work out. So I didn't have to go back to school. But you know, it's, it's something that I think, you know, I was so passionate about at the time that it's hard for someone else to speak against that. Love it. So with all, you know, the background and and what you've created and what you're creating, how do we say, or how would you talk to someone else? Or how would you advise someone else to build their own financial journey? I think really getting started with what's the lifestyle you want to live? Are you the type of person that wants to go on like X amount of vacations each year, right? Or, or, you know, what are the things that matter to you? For me, like, I love to eat, I love to drink. So I want to be able to treat myself, my wife, my friends to eating and and drinking good food, right? So that was really important to me. Another thing that'd be really important is like, all right, maybe like one or two holidays a year, right? And then once you start mapping out like what your ideal lifestyle is, figure out how much you need to make or save to get to there. And then I think that will determine, you know, also like how quickly you want to get there. So I think it's really like thinking about the end goal and working back to see like, hey, all right, this is what I got to start doing today to be able to get there. Because I think about that and I think a lot of people ask, I love how you started with the lifestyle you want to live, what you want to do, not necessarily how much money you make or, you know, just what you want to do. And then like you're saying, back into that. And it's like the fundamentals, right? Like I think like think about fundamentals, whether you're playing sports or fundamentals oh. of, of work or fundamentals in, in so many different aspects. And basically what you're saying is back into what you want to do or what you want to be not necessarily like in profession, but like the lifestyle you want to live and then develop the things around that. Love that. How would you go about learning more about digital assets? Because I know we're going to talk about that a little bit, but talk to us about learning more about and understanding digital assets. 
Yeah. So I mean, my journey into you know, digital assets and cryptocurrency was back in 2016. So through that investment from Peter Thiel, I was part of a community called the Thiel Fellowship. And there were a lot of young founders who were building in the crypto space. One of them was Vitalik, who is now the founder of Ethereum. And it was just during one of the offsites, I heard about what he was doing. And kind of after hearing more, I'm like, wow, I have no idea what Ethereum is, but this guy sounds so smart that <laughs> I'd be dumb not to put like a hundred bucks in, right? Yeah. At the time, Ethereum was still very, very cheap. So like after a year, that hundred bucks had, you know, more than 10x. And I was like, whoa, I'm really, you know, much more interested in cryptocurrency now. So yeah. I ended up you know, just following down that rabbit hole, I think as a lot of people did, worked full-time in the cryptocurrency industry for the next few years. I was on senior leadership at a cryptocurrency portfolio tracking company called Blockfolio. And that's, you know, in my role, I was interacting with hundreds of different token projects and teams and cryptocurrency exchanges. So I just really, really took a left turn there and just went deep in there. For someone that's like, because I get more questions recently about crypto than ever before, just because everything is going on in the market. But what would you say to someone, what advice would you give to someone that's trying to learn more about cryptocurrency? I would say start out and just put your money where your mouth is. It could be a small amount. It could be 10 bucks, right? But I think having skin in the game is so important when you're learning because it forces you to be like, hey, I've got my money here now, right? You're automatically a lot more invested in it. And so when news comes out about your crypto and when you have your spare time, like it's just something that's a, a part of your portfolio now. I think a lot of people, you know, with starting companies or investing into a new thing, just feel like, oh, I don't know enough, so I'm not going to start, right? Or they're going to make up a million other excuses that are along those lines. But you have to realize that like nobody's an expert. You don't need to know it all to be able to get into the space and get your hands dirty. That's really how I started out. I started out with just, you know, a hundred bucks, right? And now, you know, that led me down to where I am now today. When you say skin in the game, that makes so much sense, right? I buy cash on crypto assets that we own and always looking for stuff. I think for me, and I always try to put myself in the position of the consumer or someone trying to purchase, learn more. I think for me, like what you're saying, when I finally made the decision to, you know, download it, happen, start actively buying crypto is when I really was like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to, you know, now I learned little nuances. I learned little different things. I learned, you know, just because I was more engaged in the conversation, you know, I see stuff on TV, it'll pick up my head or I see an article yeah. online, you know, about a new coin that may be coming out or some turmoil, like what's going on with Bitcoin right now. And people are like, you know, really talking about that, like it's down. And so because I own some, I look at it different. And I think until you said that, I didn't really even think about it. Like I didn't think about, well, yeah, I look at it more now over the last, you know, however many years I've owned it than I did when I first heard of it because it really didn't have an impact on me. Exactly. Right. Like suddenly, like you hear, you're hearing Bitcoin everywhere before you could be living the same life and it just doesn't really pick up your attention. Right. So I think that's what's so important about having skin in the game. It doesn't matter if you have 10 bucks or a hundred bucks, that awareness is going to make a huge difference in your educational journey. 1000% agree with that. Let's talk a little bit about the how to use wine as an investment. Yeah, I think it's especially now more than ever, right? We're in a time that has a lot of inflation, uh, or in a time where equities are down, crypto's down, right? And, you know, wine is a hedge, especially during recessionary periods. Alcohol tends to perform very well, probably to the detriment of society, but 
good times, we want to drink, right? Bad times, we probably want to drink even more. And wine is one of those assets that through the last few recessions has remained steady, right? So we're talking about your financial journey, right? Like you're making all the money, you also want to preserve your wealth too. So I think of wine as a really strong wealth preservation part of your portfolio because it doesn't really move with the markets. And the way that VinoVest helps you invest in wine is really turnkey, right? You decide what your dollar amount is and we'll find the wine for you that fits that. So if you want to put in 100 bucks versus 1,000 versus 10,000, there's going to be different wines at different price points that we can buy for you. We'll actually store them for you so you don't need to worry about shipping anything like that. And we also give you access to price track, just like your Coinbase app, just like your Robinhood app. You can track the price of your bottle of wine at any given time, just like the live market. And that's something that helps you add diversity to your portfolio. Absolutely. I mean, I think just the idea of investing in wine Talk through that because we have a lot of people that are listening to the show that are going to be first time investors. You know, they're just getting started. Some of the listeners have been investing for a while, but the concept of investing in wine help them wrap their head around what they're really getting. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but from a person that may have never invested in anything, how would you explain exactly what VinoVest does? Yeah, that's a great point. And to boil it down to its fundamentals, when wine is produced, it has the capability to age, right? That's why people talk about that. Old adage, right? Age is like fine wine. Wine gets better in time. It's a fermented product. And what that means is that as time goes by, the demand and the value of that bottle of wine goes higher, right? When it's 10 years old, it's more valuable than when it's one year old. But what happens in the meantime, right? Between that year one and year 10, people are drinking that bottle. So by year 10, there's probably not that many left. And when you have lower supply compared with higher demand, you see higher prices. So that's essentially the concept of investing in wine. It's like, I'm going to hold on to this bottle, take it out of the supply of the market while it's young, let it age properly. And then when it gets older, sell it back into the market at a higher price and you profit off of the difference. Love it. Love it. And so that's like boiling it down right there. I think that this is something that, you know, I definitely, there are opportunities in portfolios for that because of the way that it will perform in this given market. As you were saying that, I wish I would have had some. So I remember back when in 2020, right, when COVID was still new to everyone. And I remember one of the things that we would see is in people's recycle bin, right? Because you couldn't go out and have a drink because there's nowhere to go out to have a drink. So everyone was just drinking at home. I have no data to support this, but I'm just imagining that wine had to be skyrocketing because I've seen so many and drank so many. (laughs) <laughs> seen so many and drank so many bottles of yeah, wine. We all know from personal experience right. that our alcohol consumption certainly went up in the last couple of years. So I'm thinking like when you're looking at this and we have all of the people, you know, the hot topic is people talking about inflation. Everybody's asking about that and what's going on in the market turmoil. And to be able to have something like this when I think as I'm saying it, like I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud to have something like this that we know we personally do. I know when recessions happen, I know that I drink more. I just know that. It's just a natural human function, I think, when you are worried about something. I know it's a a concept that most people don't really know about, right? Mm -hmm. Myself included until a few years ago. But the explanation of why it's a good investment is pretty easy because wine and whiskey and alcohol touches almost everybody's lives in some way, shape or form, right? And we can feel that increase happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I got so many questions. I'm intrigued. I'm so intrigued by that. So you said wine and whiskey. So can you talk a little bit about the whiskey part of it? Is there much difference or is it pretty much the same thing? 
it's a very similar concept in that, you know, if you go to the store, right, you're looking for a bottle of scotch, right? The 25 year mm-hmm. McAllen is going to cost a lot more than 18 year versus the 10 year, right? Mm-hmm. And the key is that the time that that whiskey spends in the barrel to age. So same concept will help you buy a young barrel, say 10 years old barrel. And you say, I want to get in eight years, but like, all right, we will sell it at 18 year. And right, you get that price appreciation between 10 and 18 years. So very similar concept with wine, but instead of it being bottles of wine, it's barrels of whiskey. I'm a whiskey guy, man. I love a good whiskey. We did a uh, whiskey tour in uh, Tennessee. That was kind of cool. I'm sure you know as a whiskey guy, like, you know, how the prices of Pappy or Japanese whiskey or a lot of these scotches have just skyrocketed across you know, the past decade or so. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. When you brought that McKellen's 25 up, I was like, oh, my, my mouth started to water when you said that. I was like, oh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, it is. And that's the thing. You can literally taste the difference between the 25 and the 18. It's not some marketing thing. It's just like something that only father time can help to like smooth out the texture of that whiskey as it's in the specific barrel in this specific location. Yeah, this is awesome. This is something that I was really looking forward to. So I'm glad, I'm glad that we started to touch on this. As you know, this is the Minority Money podcast where we're changing the complexion of wealth. And with all that you've done, what motivates you and inspires you to continue to learn and grow and lead? I think the big thing other than being able to create this asset class that traditionally is for wealthy people, right? You think of a wine collector, a whiskey collector, what are people usually thinking of, right? Like, some old, typically male, typically white, typically very wealthy person who's got this nice cellar, you know, in their basement and like loves to show off. Unfortunately, that's the majority of wine collectors today, right? And it's still such a great asset. So I'm thinking, why does this only have to be for ultra wealthy people who have already made it, right? What about us who's like, we're on our journey right now. And that's what I want to do. I want to take this asset that's for rich people and make it for everybody. Man, it's incredible. So I have to ask this because we talked a little bit about school, but do you think education plays a part in wealth building? Absolutely. I still don't know anything about wealth building or like financial literacy, right? Like all that I had to learn by myself on YouTube from people, right? Conversations, articles. There's no sort of course for that in our primary schooling or unless you're like a finance major or take investment professional courses, right? Even most colleges will not have financial literacy courses for other majors. So I think that the lack of education around real world financial literacy is a huge problem. You know, you brought that up and I'm thinking about, I was doing some work with some high schools. Like when you're talking about that real life practical application like stuff, we do a budget thing for them. Like we'd have them do like a whole, this is in their econ class. And then I would come in and talk to them about investments and whatnot. And when we would do that, giving them the real life practical application, like this is how much money you make. This is what your rent is. This is how you, and it would blow my mind at the realization that the kids would have, you know, if I don't save this money in the beginning, you know, I won't have anything. And like just little different concepts that they would pick up from this small two week Mm -hmm. exercise that they did. And I'd imagine what it would be like if we really changed our education system to provide the financial education. I majored in accounting. You know, I was still not equipped to go out and just re- lead regular life. Now I can understand yeah. business finance and all that, but regular life, I was, you know, not equipped. Yeah. Same. Nobody tells you, you know, how to manage a buzzer personally until you're kicked out, you know, living on your own or with roommates trying to fend for yourself. And you're like, oh man, this is hard. <laughs> yeah. The roommate, man, I'm telling you, that was good times. 
trying to figure out finances with someone else's finances that doesn't know anything about it. Now you got yeah. two people that don't know yeah. anything. It's, yeah, it's fun. If you could offer a piece of advice to our listeners or pieces, it could be more than one. What would that be? I would say it's really just about perseverance, right? I've encountered a lot of failure, a lot of low points in my life, but you just got to pick yourself up and keep going because you don't know how close you are to a breakthrough. And all of that work that you put in isn't for nothing, right? It'll be for nothing if you quit and don't learn from it. So that's something that I've has served me really, really well in my life and I'm sure will continue to do so. Love it. Wise words from a very, very wise man. If people want to get more of Anthony, they want to hear more of you, they want to get engaged, what social medias are you like active on? I'm most active on Twitter. So I'm Anthony underscore J underscore Z-H-A-N-G. So just basically my full name, first name, middle initial, last name. And yeah, I talk about crypto. I talk about wine. I talk about the markets. I talk about business building and everything else in between. So that is my most active social media platform. Awesome. Awesome. And then get us your website. I'm cruising around on it now, just looking at everything. Let's get that website out there. We'll make sure we put a link to it in the show notes, but I'd love for you to just give us uh, what the actual website is. Thank you. Yeah, we are vinovest.co. So V-I-N-O-V-E-S-T dot C-O. Nice. So we will get all of that in the show notes. Anthony, you know what? Thank you for your time. Thank you for your hard work. It's truly, truly inspiring to see what you've been able to create. I'm looking forward to seeing more great things from you. But thank you. Thank you a lot. Oh, thank you for your time. I really enjoyed this chat. It was helpful. I think people are going to love this. Thing. I think people are going to love it. And with that, we'll wrap this up. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I'm your host, Inland Miles Mattingly. Until next time, we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.